Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Okay, so before we get into today's episode, which is very interesting, just so you know, we're going to talk about fragrant qigong, telekinesis, energy healing, all sorts of different kind of more out of the box type of healing modalities and things in the holistic health space. So I think you're really going to enjoy it because it's definitely different from other episodes. But today is the day after Thanksgiving, which you know what that means. It is Black Friday. So Normally, I don't do specials when someone wants to work with me. I don't do discounts or anything crazy normally, but I really wanted to jump on the Black Friday train this year and offer something that is, you know, one of a kind. Like, I'm not going to offer this again after this, maybe again next year. But if you're someone who's been on the fence about working with a functional medicine practitioner, now is the time where you can finally transform your health. So the special is $500 off of any four or six month program. And I'm adding on an additional month of working with me. So additional meetings, support protocols for free. So an additional month for free, $500 off. It's only going to the first four people who enter the program. So make sure that you go and book a free health consultation with me right now before those spots are gone. So you can find the link in the show notes for that. And just so you're aware, I want to talk about what are some of the things that people normally experience when they work with me. One is pain-free living. I've seen dozens of people put rheumatoid arthritis into remission, improve fibromyalgia pains, get rid of just general joint pain and inflammation, improve digestion, People get rid of acid reflux, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. I've even seen people with IBS, Crohn's, IBD, finally be able to control their diseases through lifestyle change. More energy. People become morning people again. They have more energy to spend time with their families and work out like they used to without feeling totally exhausted. Balanced hormones. People get rid of PMS, mood swings, low libido. My clients finally understand what foods make them feel amazing and which ones trigger symptoms, and they're able to share what they've learned with their families so that they can all live a longer, healthier life together. I've even seen people get off of a long list of medications, including things like immunosuppressant drugs, anti-anxiety medications, and antidepressants. So don't miss out on this special because when you work with me, you will automatically get access to cutting edge functional medicine labs that helps me get to the root cause of your health issues. You'll have one-on-one meetings with me every few weeks. You'll get a custom nutrition supplement and lifestyle protocol to actually reverse your health issues. You get 15% off of professional grade supplements. You get concierge messaging support to get all of your health questions answered on a daily basis. And you get private client community access, which is really cool because you get to chat with all of my other clients. 
And I see people all the time sharing recipes, sharing tips, supporting each other. It's a really beautiful thing to see. And you have so much support for everything you're going through, not only through me, but through those other clients as well. So don't forget to grab this special, guys. I'm I'm not kidding. Like This is going to be gone on December 7th, and you won't see it again for another year, and it probably won't look the same next year. So go to the health consultation booking link in the show notes, and hopefully I will see you on a free consult soon, and we'll get to chat more and see what kind of health plan you really need to get to your next steps. All right, now enjoy this episode between myself and Max Reader. So on this episode of the Natural Health Rising podcast, I have Max Reader with me. So Max is a clairsentient healer that teaches Qigong and self-mastery. He works with people to help them overcome health hurdles when doctors and therapists can't. After getting out of the military in 2014, he experienced a wide variety of health problems that he healed through meditation practices over the last several years. Welcome to the show, Max. Thank you so much, Rachel. Good to be here. I'm glad to have you. So real quick, funny story. The way that I found you was I was scrolling on TikTok and I came across a video of you dancing and it was like a dancing video and you had some overlay of health information on it. And I have videos like that as well. I have some videos of me shuffling and dancing and with some health information. And I thought, oh my gosh, someone else who does the <laughs> same thing as me, like I have to, I have to see what else this guy has to offer. And then as I dove deeper, um, you just have a lot of really interesting stories of sharing some of the things you've been through with your health and you have it all laid out on how you overcame it. So I thought that was really cool. So you have some really unique stories and, and things. And I was hoping that we could actually start off by getting into some of that stuff a little bit. So can you tell us what happened to your health after you got out of the military? Yeah, sure. I uh, love that you're a shuffler, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I want to do a collab. Yes, um, we should. <laughs> yeah. So after the military, you know, a lot of people have messed up health after the military, especially the U.S. military. Um, but, you know, it's the highest demographic for suicides in the U.S. Um, and I had a lot of health issues after getting out. So, a lot of it was brought on. I didn't know this at the time, but a lot of it was brought on by energetic, emotional patterns. Um, but basically I had, uh, I didn't even fully understand everything that was wrong with me at the time. I was so numb and disassociated. Um, but I knew that I wanted to die and I knew that I didn't really have much motivation in life. Like that's, that's about as much as I knew. Um, but I also had really bad vision loss. My astigmatism, which I had gotten diagnosed with at 16, had progressed to a point where it was starting to get really hard to see things, especially uh, details like reading. Um, I had tinnitus that would be in and out. I'd have ringing in my ears. I had significant hearing loss. That was probably the worst change was I could barely hear like people. I'd have to consistently ask them to repeat themselves over and over again. Um, I had a tear in my ACL and PCL um, that was causing me to limp. I had a weak left knee because of it. Um, I had displaced ligament, or I'm not sure exactly what happened to my left shoulder, but something got injured in my left shoulder from weightlifting where my left shoulder was also weak. 
Um, I had migraines whenever I would do upper body workouts because I had misaligned vertebrae in my neck. Um, I had really bad acne that was very stubborn, wouldn't go away no matter what I tried. Um, and then, you know, just cherry on top of that was the, the depression and, uh, anxiety of not being able to, to express myself around others or be uncomfortable around others. That's pretty much the picture of my health after the military. Um, and yeah, so that's what I was, that's what was going on. And I realized when I was at the VA hospital, when, by the time that they prescribed me, um, antidepressants after I had already been given other drugs for other conditions and they either gave me a hopeless diagnosis or they were giving me meds that were not treating the root cause. And once I was holding the antidepressants in my hand, I realized that I was facing a junction in my life where I could either go down this route of covering up the cause, which stuff that I knew was going to not going to work. And I think most people in the military would agree that military medical is not very effective and you don't get, you often have to go three visits or more before you even get what you're going for taken care of. Um, and I was a technician. I worked on weapon systems. I had to solve the root cause. So I had this system where if I wasn't completely resolving the root cause of the issues, I wasn't doing my job and I could get in trouble for that. But I was seeing that in the medical field, it was very different where they didn't have to find the root cause. And I thought that was very strange. So I decided either take these pills and do what I know is not going to resolve the problem or decide to master this experience of consciousness. And so that was the turning point for me where I decided, all right, I'm going to try to master this, you know, whatever this conscious experience is. And so doors started opening for me. I actually got into this stuff because uh, I was, I was in college after I made that decision. Um, I was studying to be an electrical engineer and I was doing a paper on the unknowns of physics, what physics breakthroughs we would be seeing in the next coming years. And consciousness kept coming up. Scalar energy kept coming up. You know, this uh, dark energy, Tesla called it. Um, basically, this, this idea of psychic phenomena, I couldn't ignore it. And once I found out about CIA's project Stargate and how they learned that the Russians were spying on our military programs with their psychic spies and that we started copying them, um, you know, it was something that I, I really, really wanted to learn. And it kind of became the route that I took instead of being like a very... I still consider myself pretty pragmatic, but instead of being physically oriented in the electrical engineering side of things, I started exploring consciousness and, um, you know, this, this dimensional travel stuff. So I wanted to learn how to be psychic. I saw videos on YouTube of people moving the wind, aerokinesis, you know, moving, uh, moving objects with the mind with telekinesis. And I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do that. And so that's kind of how everything started. And then the healing happened alongside learning how to tap into these abilities. Okay. So the things that you were doing to get the telekinesis power, I guess you would call it, is what helped you heal those kinds of practices? Yeah, they, they went together. They went together. Yeah. There's a lot okay. of people that practice specifically telekinesis actually, and they'll get really messed up health problems oh. um, because it's not a balanced, you know, it uses a lot of kidney energy and um, it, it, you can really kind of make your whole system topsy-turvy if you just fully pour yourself into like achieving this power. 
Mm-hmm. And it tends to happen more to men. It's really funny. Women get drawn into this stuff because of the healing aspect, generally speaking. And I find that men, they like the power aspect of it. You know, for me, that's I wasn't super interested in the healing. Like, okay, heal my vision. That was one of the most appealing things to me at first. But like, I wanted to, you know, learn how to influence the, the environment. That was what grabbed me into it. Learn mm-hmm. how to astral project, you know. Um, but the healing stuff became much more... Uh, desirable to me once I started recognizing the true power that lies in healing. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the big needle movers of things you were doing that were actually improving your health? Um, so yeah. Um, let's start with getting more awareness in the body. That was one of the biggest things because most people are numb. Most people are disassociated. You know, you ask people, Ask most people, how are you feeling right now? A lot of people can't articulate that, you know, they can't, at least not in a, in a, in a really deeply accurate way that's in resonance with their true feelings. You know, most people say like, I feel good. I feel bad. Like, what does that mean though? You know, what's underneath it? What's the quality? What's the texture of that? Um, So one of the first things that really started changing things for me was, was combining um, meditation and exercise. That was the biggest, that was the first step, tiring out my body so that my mind could reach new limits in meditation. Mm -hmm. And when I started combining that with also cleaning up the diet and eating a lot more fruits and vegetables, I started to actually get high. Like I was tripping on acid from eating fruits. And it sounds kind of unbelievable to some people maybe, but I mean, when you, when you're, when you're opening your channels, you know, um, it's, it can, it can get really crazy. You can get really uh, in a high vibrate vibrational state where your, your perception changes dramatically. The biggest thing was letting go of my beliefs because that's what keeps anybody where they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, have you, have you ever experienced, um, you ever like hit a wall where you're absolutely not willing to accept a new perspective or you're not willing to let go of something and you like recognize that your whole world would fall apart if you let go of that belief. Yeah. So that was, yeah. So like, what, what would that be for you? Like what's something that comes up for you? That was like a really a uh, strong belief that was hard for you to let go of and dissolve. Mm, this it was is, like, keeping this your reality is a good question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So I don't, I definitely don't hold on to stuff like that anymore, but many, many times, I mean, in my past, when I was still really sick with my autoimmune disease, I would think, oh, I'm, I'm stuck here. Like, this is how my life is. I'm always going to be tired. I'm always going to be like this, like that. Um, I used to have beliefs about work patterns, like, oh, I have to work super hard all the time in order to make a good living. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a bit, that was a big one for me that <laughs> took a while to get over. I was like, okay, this is not real. Like I don't have to believe that. I don't have to allow that to be my, my life. Um, so yeah, I definitely resonate with that a lot. Yeah. That's a, that's a really strong one that a lot of people, um, uh, a lot of people adhere to, and it gives you a certain reference point, you know, having this belief of like, this is how stuff works. And you know, it's one of the reasons why kids are so much better at playing than adults because kids aren't front loaded with all these perspectives about how the world works because they haven't had the experiences, the failures, successes, whatever, to cement these rigid perspectives. So they're a lot, 
generally closer to enlightenment than a lot of adults are because they're just, they know presence innately. And the more that we get wrapped up in these rigid belief patterns, um, the more that we're living in our own version of reality that's separated from everything else. So that was, that was the biggest, biggest, biggest thing. And I was raised in a very strict Catholic household. Plus add, add on top of that private schooling for most of my upbringing and then the military after that, like it was just strict, 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 rigid beliefs the whole time. So letting go of that was hard. Um, but it was so it was the most liberating thing I could have ever done. And it started changing everything. You know, you, everybody goes through that stage of you feel like you're crazy when you start awakening and your world starts changing. But um, the more that I could be OK with letting go of everything I thought I knew and descending into the chaos and letting the chaos be the new norm, you know, constant change being the new norm. Um, that was the big key, I would say, in in changing everything. Mm-hmm. What if somebody, like, how does somebody even identify that they're stuck, though? And how would they start to let go of these beliefs that are holding them back? Like, is there is it just as simple as letting go, or is there more to it that, that I mean, it think? is just as simple as letting go, but it, it's not immediately evident to most people where they need to let go. You know, if you're making a fist for long enough, you're not even going to feel that you're clenching and it'll just feel like it's normal to you until you have enough awareness to recognize that there's tension here and then you can release it. Um, But you asked, how would someone recognize? I mean, sensitizing the body is a really good way of doing it. That's why it's important to eat clean and, uh, you know, fasting can help uh, different detoxes, detox regimens can help. Um, but it's not just physical. It's also the mental stuff. Like people think that they can't meditate because they like to be noisy and numb. It's not that anyone can't meditate. It's that you don't like what comes up when you start sitting with yourself mm-hmm. because it's still valid when you're, when you start quieting your mind and then you have all these racing thoughts come up. Okay, good. That's data. That's stuff that's coming up inside of you. That's not because you're failing. That's because stuff is coming up. And so if you're like, oh, God, I don't want, uh, no, no, I don't want to think about that. Or, or you're attached to it all the time, then you're just continuing attention pattern. Um, so it's really, it's not that we ever don't like an experience or we don't like certain people or we don't like certain flavors or anything like that. It's that we don't like what comes up inside of us. So that's really a good way where you can tell where you're stuck is where you're having resistances to anything in life. Mm meditation. So what about what about those people who are super resistant to meditation? They say they've tried it, their brain goes crazy. Is there a specific type of meditation that you would recommend or any other tips or advice you would have for those people? Yeah, well the best advice that I ever heard was if you're thinking you're not feeling. And you know, it's we only have so much processing power. And if you dedicate your processing power to feeling, it's really hard to think also. (laughs) So you might have thoughts like, say, you know, it just happened to me in meditation this morning. You could be in meditation and then you go deep in this feeling and then memories start coming up. You know, that's not that's not a failure. There's memories that are triggered by this feeling. So, okay, don't attach to the memories. Don't attach to the head movies. Stay in the feeling. Notice how that's feeling inside of you and what in you is holding on to that. Because the more that you're able to feel, the more that you're able to um, 
to be in this state of lowering your brain waves and relaxing the nervous system, entering this parasympathetic nervous response, you know? Um, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that, that people don't, um, they don't kind of acknowledge in themselves is that they're, they're attaching to thoughts rather than staying in the feeling. We're not taught to feel. It's not really anybody's fault because society as a whole is structured to teach us to think and analyze. That's how we process information. So it's kind of a shock to your system to, okay, I'm going to feel now because we don't want to trust what we feel. We want to trust what we hear on TV, what we hear from whatever authority figures. Oh, and then, you know, we can analytically turn that over in our mind, whatever, but something that you're feeling in your body now, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like trusting yourself is a big thing, but I would say that's the biggest tip. And then if you want, I can, I can offer something that also people miss out that they could get a lot more out of meditation with as a type of meditation. Sure. Um, yeah. So meditation that engages the body in some way is a lot more effective than meditation that doesn't. So like you're going to have a totally different experience meditating, laying in bed or meditating, sitting comfortably versus doing something that uh, causes you to relax into a different state of consciousness. Like, so what Qigong does, right? Static Qigong postures, for example. And, you know, yoga can do this too. Um, I would say the, the yoga that's more closer to the, to the core traditions. Um, but when your body is like, ah, this hurts, and you relax into it, and you hold that mindful presence and that internal relaxation, that is so much more effective for you than just like going to a nice, quiet state of mind when everything is perfectly tranquil. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've d- I've done this before. So um, it's basically the position was like you kind of squat a little bit with your legs apart yeah. and yeah, hold your arms, hold your arms in front of you. And uh-huh. I just remember the first time <laughs> I did that, I was and you just focus on one object uh, with your eyes open. And I was like, holy cow, my arms are on fire. And then you just have to get to this place where, like you said, it's like you have to relax your body in order to stay there. And all of a sudden the the focus and the meditation is so much deeper than if you were, like you said, just sitting there, just laying down. Yeah, extremely, extremely. And it's also, you're cultivating massive amounts of energy. Your magnetic field gets much stronger. Your voltage in your cells is rising. Your, you know, this is how you're really tapping into the superhuman stuff rather than just like, oh, I have a calm mind or I can escape mm-hmm. my body more easily which is what most metal to meditation will give you. Um, so, and I, and I'm not a hater on, on, you know, I think there's many kinds of meditations that, that are good for different kinds of people, but if you want to level up the, the presence in your body and the, the magnetic field and the, and the electricity that you have, the regenerative capacity for your body to heal, you know, what you just mentioned, like being in horse stance with your arms out mm-hmm. and, and really relaxing into that, uh, over a, an extended period of time, that's what's really going to make you capable of some superhuman feats. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I'd like to talk a little bit about this clairsentient healing that you do. Can you explain what clairsentience is for people that don't know? And then what does that actually look like? Sure. Yeah. So I would I would argue most people are clairsentient naturally um you know we all everything is connected 
So everyone has some predispos uh, predisposition to some psychic sense, but literally clairsentience is clear feeling. So it's being able to feel other energies inside of your body. So like you're connecting to someone and you're, you're able to feel something inside of you, like, like physiologically where you can feel that there's a heaviness or there's a texture or there's like, uh, there's a quality inside of you and you feel it. You, basically you're feeling other, other people's bodies as though they're inside your own body as though you're them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a good way to get a read on people with like a physical feeling while you're engaging with them. And it's something that just happens naturally. The more that you become really present in your body and you're really familiar with your own vibration and then you're able to still your own frequency so that you can notice what's different when you tune into other things. You can do this with animals. You can do this with plants. You can do this with an environment. You know, we all do this to an extent, right? Like you can feel the vibe in a room when you walk in, right? And it's just about fine tuning that and getting more clear in yourself and more discerning so that you can really feel these uh, subtle changes when you tune into someone. And everybody said something like, oh, I got a bad feeling talking to that person or like he was just giving me really creepy vibes, you know, and like we we all kind of have this sense. Right. And it's just about how much do you trust it and how how uh, familiar are you or how clear are you inside of yourself so that you can feel a difference between your energy and theirs? Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it. It happens to me all the time, that really strong gut feeling that you get. But again, so many people are, I guess, disassociated from that or they don't trust it or exactly. they try, their logical brain kicks in. And so they think, oh, no, no, that feeling is just a crazy thought. I need to do what logically makes sense. And then they look back and they're like, huh, you know, I was right about that thing. I shouldn't have made that decision or that business investment or shouldn't have gotten into that relationship. So... Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think so many people need to start to listen to that a little bit more. And it sounds like maybe meditation and some of these practices you're talking about are a really good starting place for people to actually feel those feelings a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And and it's it's helpful to remember, you know, people ask a lot, like, what's the difference? Like, how do I know if it's my energy or theirs? Um uh, there's a couple ways to tell. I mean, for one thing, most of what you're feeling is not originally yours. So, I mean, how, how, how far back do you want to go? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're supposed to be a pure energy body and anything that's contaminating you is feeling heavy. So it's like, nothing's really yours, <laughs> I would say. But, um, you know, the, the, uh, the more that you allow yourself to purge and clear yourself internally, the more that you're just kind of an empty vessel and can feel, when you walk into a room, like you'll feel a change, like, oh, somebody's got some solar plexus stuff going on or mm -hmm. like, oh, somebody's got like a lot of shame that they're, they're judging themselves with or, or guilt or whatever. Um, and then if you, if you disconnect from the person, that feeling shouldn't be there anymore unless you're judging it. And if you mm -hmm. judge the feeling, that's what a lot of empaths will say, like, oh, I can't be around crowds because uh, it drains me or it, it, uh, it, it's too much. It overloads my system. Uh, if you're judging the energy, then it's gonna, cause you're resisting it because we're connected to everything. We're not supposed to be disconnected from everything. It's not like you shouldn't have to be in a, in a quiet room with nobody around you in order for you to feel equilibrium, right? We're connected to an interconnected universe. 
Um, but if you judge the feeling of what you're getting, then you're, it's going to be tension. You know, like you might, you might know this too, with TikTok, you get hate comments. Oh yeah. You get shit talkers <laughs> in your comments. They're like, Those are funny. Yeah. It's, it's always insightful in the person's place of where they are in life and stuff. But, but uh, if you judge it, or if you try to resist it and say, no, it's not me, that's not me. That like, you know, I get people all the time. You're a fraud, you're a snake oil salesman, you're a mm-hmm. charlatan, whatever. And when I was saying, that's not me, that's not true. Uh, then you know what was happening? I was getting all this, all this stuck energy accumulating in my gut. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that until it came out in a healing session, all this, like just vitriol, all this, and just, just this rage and this hate and all this stuff that was just sticking here from hate comments. And I was like, oh my God, I thought that I'd been clear in that, but that's been living in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, oh gosh, those got me in the beginning on TikTok. I had a lot of, yeah, I would say like anger and maybe even like shame of, am I supposed to be doing this? Like questioning myself, like, who am I? And eventually, and eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is just, this is, has nothing to do with me. This is the reflection of that person. And like, and now I just have zero response to to that kind of stuff but yeah you have to kind of train yourself to be able to let go or disconnect from those things yeah right yeah and and it, you can't resist it though like that's that's what i found like you can't you can't be like no yeah because yeah. that because now it's in you like okay right. <laughs> but that, that's the whole thing with empaths i think that a lot of empaths could learn um if you judge the feeling if you judge that this person's an asshole and they're not supposed to be that way, then you're not able to release the energy because you're creating friction inside of your body that's holding on to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so how does this clairsentient healing piece work? Like, what does that look like when you work with somebody? So you're holding a field and you invite the other person into your field. It's about that, that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, a lot of the time I'll do healings and not even have to say anything because we're just holding a field together. And then we just quiet the mind and all this crap comes up and the person will start needing to throw up or cough or, you know, all these yawns start coming up, or they start crying, whatever, all these emotions start coming up because you're just holding a field together, right? We're you and I are connected right now. We're in an interactive field occupying the same space, regardless of where we are in the world. Cause we're, opening to each other's connection and so that's it's that simple really you you sustain a healing field you invite the other person in and you just allow openness and expansion and uh and if if there's something that they're resisting if there's something that they don't want to see then usually you can feel okay like there's something that you know this person is is not willing to look at themselves here so let's go into that mm-hmm and what kind of kinds of symptoms or issues can this help with? Anything. Anything. Literally anything. I've had anything you can think of except for regrowing limbs happen on, on the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's actually amazing. I have a a coach myself who he lives in Austin right now. And I live in Arizona. And when we have done calls and he started doing energy healing on me what my response has always been like, I'll literally release it from my body by, you know, my shoulder, my shoulders will start shaking or like my leg will twitch or something like that. 
yawning because the body is like relaxing and releasing. I've cried so many times. Um, and then afterwards, I just feel just like a totally different person. So I feel like it's something if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds crazy. What is what is energy healing? How do you even do that on Zoom? Um, I believe it. It totally works. And it's. I feel like it's something that you have to actually do and also be open to, obviously. Yeah, you have to to, to it. yeah for it to actually work. Um, the, but that's the ego is your, is your biggest enemy in, in healing because the ego wants to be right. And the more that you can be open to new possibilities, the more you have to let your ego sit to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what about um, eyesight? So can you give us more insight on what you do for people with eyesight issues right now? Sure. Insight on eyesight. Yeah. Okay. So I help people to see better regardless of what the nature of their visual impairment is. Um, it's kind of a side effect of just healing yourself from inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, because we look at like, think about sensory perceptions. This goes for any sensory perception. Okay. Eyesight is one that I talk about a lot because my followers have expressed a great interest in it. Um, but this goes for any sensory perception, hearing loss, loss of smell, loss of taste, loss of feeling. Um, so when you are connected with yourself and with your surroundings and it's effortless and you're not creating walls and you're not creating separation, there is an effortless participation between you and your environment. You as consciousness are here to experience and participate. And the sensory experience is a side effect of that participation. So Mm -hmm. when we have walls that we erect because there was a trauma and something happened that makes us feel unsafe, something happened that um, makes us need to need to preserve the status quo. You know, we want to, we want to hold on to everything that we have right now, or we want to never be in that place again. So we're going to stay what we've learned, stay here in this protective posture that we've learned, whatever. Um, Then we, we create tension. We create separation with the universe around us. And this lends itself to various types of sensory disparities. So, you know, it it comes up a lot. Like when, when someone's having eyesight issues, there's something that they don't want to see or, you know, they're, they're projecting their, their field out away from them, or they're only paying attention to what's in their immediate surroundings as what's real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's good to not be too scholarly about it because the more you get into an- analysis of it, the more that you start going into this tension pattern again, and it's really more about unbecoming what you've become to make you this animal of tension and just like releasing and resetting back to the normal feeling based beings that we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beyond that, that kind of stuff, are there specific eye exercises or foods or something that is very specific to the eyesight that people do? Yeah, there are. Um, so there's, there's different ways of looking at it. Um, there in the Chinese medicine, there are, you know, the eyes are connected directly to the liver. And so we want to take care of the liver energy in order okay. to support the eyes. 
Now the liver and the wood is the wood element in the five elements of Chinese medicine is generated by the water element, which is related to the kidneys. So without mm -hmm. getting too into everything, basically by taking care of the kidneys and the liver, we can directly support the vision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, eye floaters are a common topic. Eye floaters are related to either your water from the kidneys or liver from the wood because the water supports the wood. Um, and so you have this dissolution of the collagen matrix in your eyes where basically you have these, these fibers floating around. And so we need to strengthen the internal structure of the body. We need to strengthen the wood element by supporting the kidneys. Now, a lot of us have really drained kidneys. Um, a lot of us, we're, we're, we're working too hard. We're too sedentary. We're not sleeping enough. Um, we're not doing a practice like Qigong or yoga or something that replenishes and regenerates the kidneys. Um, we're, we're taking uh, too many supplements or too many drugs that are significantly draining the kidneys. And so this lends to sapping your liver and draining from the power that your eyes have. So eating foods that are really sour really helps support the wood element like citrus, vinegar, sauerkraut, fermented foods. Um, leafy greens also very, very good for supporting liver health. But the biggest thing, you know, we always get into a little bit physical stuff, but the biggest thing by far that anybody could do to resolve any physical imbalance they have from what I've seen, from what my teachers have taught me is to resolve their own mind crap to resolve mm -hmm. the, the, the mental spiritual patterns that lead into the energetic patterns that lead into the physical patterns. So like physical, it's like, it's like band-aids, you know, even I, I, you know, I think diet's important, but not nearly as important as what are you trying to not see right now that is clouding your vision? You know, are you afraid of looking into the future? Are you afraid of seeing what's coming in the later years of your life because you're getting closer to death? Um, are you feeling like you need to keep yourself safe and only pay attention to what's in your immediate surroundings? Are you feeling like you need to protect yourself from faraway threats? Like what is it that you're, you're polarizing your vision with so that it's affecting your eyesight and the physical, because when the energetic field rebalances, the visual field follows. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's more about consciousness than anything. Yeah. Definitely. I used to have eye floaters really bad and those things are completely gone now. So, awesome. um, yeah, I know what that experience is like. You listed a couple of foods for the liver. I was just curious if you had a couple to add on for the kidneys, just to round um, that yeah. out. Maybe salty foods, salty foods, drinking a lot of water, um, seaweed, uh, kidney beans also, okay. uh, incidentally are good for the kidneys. Um, but basically like foods that are going to be black or dark blue blueberries, um, they're, they're good for the kidney energy because kidney energy is associated with blue or black, or dark blue and black colors. So generally speaking, foods that are green for wood and foods that are dark blue, black for the water. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what fragrant Qigong is? Yeah, sure. Fragrant Qigong, really interesting story behind it. There was a, a kid um, back sometime in the in the early 1900s that he was he had he was 12 years old. He had skin cancer, incurable skin cancer. And this was in uh, Luyang, China. And 
there was a Buddhist monk that came and visited his family for the night. The Buddhist monk needed a place to stay. Uh, the family let him stay with them. Obviously, the monk met the child and worked with him for a few days to completely heal his incurable skin cancer. And he taught him this system called fragrant Qigong. Now, he told the kid, uh, the kid's name was uh, Tian Ruisheng. And he said, don't teach this to anyone for 50 years. Practice this for 50 years. Because normally, this was a very secret practice. And normally practices like this were, are taught only at the end of the master's life. They teach it to a student before they, they pass on. So this monk taught it to this kid. And he said, don't teach anybody for 50 years. So Tian Ruisheng went through his life. And he's just like practicing three times a day. The fragrant Qigong routine. Um, quietly, didn't tell anybody about it. And then 50 years later, when it, he finally had matured the abilities, he had all these crazy healing abilities that he had cultivated over this over the decades. And so he, he took a group of, uh, of people, I don't remember, it was somewhere over 100 people, and for two weeks worked with them. And most of the people that were in this group were healed of all kinds of things, cancers, paralysis, you know, uh, autoimmune diseases, whatever stuff they had going on. Um, and then they started training people in it and then they started training people and it became this huge movement throughout China and it's called fragrant Qigong because when you practice it, there's a smell, there's a, there's a palpable smell that can be detected by passersby that the group, like you can, sometimes you can smell it if you're practicing on your own. If you have a group practicing it, it's much more common that it can be smelled and it, it smells like this nice fragrance, you know, it smells like flowers. It smells like, um, uh, what's another thing that like perfume. So it can smell like this really pleasant fragrance. And he was known to have all of his possessions smelled like this. His house smelled like this. And it's just a natural energetic smell that comes up um, as a result of the practice. And also it, it obviously enhances healing abilities. And uh, it's really, really easy to practice, which is why I started teaching it because I figured it was good for TikTok. You know, it was people who have a short attention span and are Maybe don't want to dedicate hours of practice to meditation per day. They can just bust this out while they watch TV because it's one of the only Qigong techniques that can be practiced while you watch TV. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what is like, how long does this take for somebody to, to get benefits from this or what would the benefit look like to them from practicing the fragrant Qigong? Any Qigong practice that you ever do, you want to give it three months before you evaluate, you know, and and when I, when I healed myself from the stuff that I was dealing with in the Navy, it was at least a three month window. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people experience healing benefits before then, you know, I had one student and she, she healed her tinnitus in four or five days with the eyesight healing system. Um, you know, some people will have like their, their vision improving, for example, in like within a couple of weeks, it's really good to have, to give three months of dedicated practice, not missing a day before you evaluate, like, how does this feel for me? Is this having an effect that I, that I enjoy? So mm-hmm. that's, and that's where most people are going to drop out because most people aren't willing to do something for a season. Right. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about chi and what that is and how someone would cultivate it or why they would want to cultivate it? Yeah, sure. This is um, so this is an interesting I really like the idea of it, this topic that you just suggested, because this is where we have a big break between the Western school of thought and and then the Eastern. Um, Qi is invisible, intelligent, informational energy. 
and we don't have a way to measure it yet. Um, I, I believe we we one day will be. I think we just don't have the instrumentation that can observe whatever layer of reality that she exists within, but it's basically a level of matter of invisible intelligent information. And it's not the same thing as blood, but where there is blood, there is chi. Okay. Where there is your, your, your organs, where there is like biological material, there is some amount of chi. All right. So what exactly is it? It's it's hard to prove in our labs, but we can measure after effects of it. We've been able to measure that places that have more chi have more electrical efficiency. They have less electrical resistance. They have um, higher sound pressure. They have more um, uh, of a magnetic field. They have there's a microwatts that can be measured in the area of electromagnetism. So like we're able to measure after effects of chi, but chi is not electricity. Chi is not magnetism. It's something that accompanies those things. So, and it, it can be directed with consciousness. That's the, the, the main thing about it. So the mind leads the chi and the chi affects the physical body. So when we're thinking, wasting our thoughts on things that don't matter, we're pouring in all of this chi, also called life force energy. We're pouring in all this life force energy into this construct that maybe doesn't serve us. And we're empowering that thing. That's why, you know, you should never be anti something because you're feeding energy into it. Um, so does that answer your question? Where, where would you like me to go with it? Sure. So that was a really great explanation of what it is. Does someone like, how do we cultivate it in our bodies or where do we want to direct it? Okay. So how we can cultivate it, the strongest way to cultivate chi is as we were talking about earlier with meditation exercises that engage the body. Um, the body functions like a capacitor and when we are, you know, it's like the, the lower Dantian, the lower Dantian below, below the belly button, um, people that are familiar with the chakras, it's about where the sacral chakra is. Um, this is basically structured like a capacitor. It has six layers. It has, it's a layer of, uh, fat muscle, fat muscle, fat muscle, and fascia. And it basically functions as an energy storage unit, but we can store energy throughout our whole bodies. And so when we're, when we're in a state of accumulating energy and we're relaxed, but there's mild, um, I would say tension, but I'm hesitant to say the word tension because we don't want to have tension that we can control. But like, if you're standing, if you're engaging the muscles, there's going to be a minute amount of tension, right? But if you have a little bit of this and you're relaxed and you're, you're cultivating, what you're doing is you're drawing in energy from the air around you. You're drawing in energy from the earth. I had a client that was practicing Qigong for two days while fasting. And she gained 12 pounds while not, not eating any food. So it's like you're gaining energy from the environment. We think that we need food for energy and food's great, but it's not the only way to get energy in our bodies. You know, fat is stored energy. Interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> did she actually look like she gained weight or did she just step on the scale and she was 
12 pounds she, she just measured it on the scale i don't i don't know if if it was a very noticeable visually she used to be a four-time powerlifting champion so i think that she has a, a, a propensity for you know holding a lot of tension in the first place in her body which is probably mm-hmm. why she was um um had a proclivity to gaining that much in such a short period of time but um yeah that's uh just, it's just a good example of how real you know the energy the usable energy in our environment is and the more connected we are to our environment the more that we don't have to be low on energy all the time mm-hmm. okay so by doing these meditation practices we're basically just increasing that life force energy and giving ourselves energy essentially yeah sure and and the other thing is we waste a lot of our chi all mm-hmm. the time you know i talk to a lot of people that um, they, they feel like they don't ever have any energy. And then by the time I get done working with them or talking to them with a while, we've identified all these places where they're spending their energy. It's like, you only get paid so much from a paycheck. If you spend all your money all over the place, obviously you're going to be broke at the end of the day. So we have to take an inventory of where we're spending our energy. Most of our energy goes between two things, uh, thinking about things we don't need to think about and holding tension in the musculoskeletal system. Hmm. Those are two huge drains on our energy. So really before we fixate on how can I cultivate and gather more energy is first, where am I wasting my energy? I love that. You want to regulate the mind and the body so that you're, you're more um, adept to store and, and build with more and you're not just wasting all your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just talk briefly before we end about telekinesis. So did you did you wind up cultivating the telekinesis that you talked about? That was kind of like why you started and then you went get, went down this whole healing journey instead. So what happened to that piece? Yeah. So I had a very indirect route about it. I eventually did hit my goals with it. Uh, it took two years. And I have some video demo demonstrations up on my YouTube if people want to see it. My name is Max Reader. Reader. Um, I, I eventually got it. And that was a really magical period of my life because I saw a UFO, uh, within a few days of this happening in my backyard. And, uh, I, uh, started just, I was basically meditating in my backyard and I swiped my hand across a tree like this. Um, and then the tree reacted like right where I, even though it was like 30 feet away, right where I dragged my hand, the leaves reacted. And then I realized, okay, that was that was wild. That just happened. So the next day I set up a camera in my backyard and I did an aerokinesis experiment. Now aerokinesis is not exactly the same as telekinesis. Aerokinesis is influencing the wind. Um, aerokinesis is, I would argue easier because there's more ambient magic in the air outside than there is inside. Now telekinesis is a little bit of a different connection because you're working with different energies. So I, I eventually did do telekinesis also. And I did that in my office of my house. Um, but I think aerokinesis is a lot more fun because you're, you're working with, you're working with a lot more juice, you know what I mean? And you can still like calm things down and make, and make everything calm and relaxed. And then you can stir it up again in a certain direction. You can calm it down and, and try to do different things with it so that you're, you're working with the intelligence of plants. But I have both, I have demos um, on my Instagram of telekinesis and also yeah on Facebook, um, but or eventually I did get there. 
And what usually happens when you when you tap into that is it's not as it's not so exciting anymore. Um, like you want to do it until you can figure it out, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's how it works, and then it and then it loses its luster. You know what I mean? And so yeah, that was that was one of the things that I really wanted to teach people also, but I found that people were not nearly as interested in learning telekinesis as they are in learning how to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what are we going to do with the telekinesis? Whereas if we're healing our bodies, we can get so much from that. Right, exactly. There's a lot it, it, There's a lot more utility that the world has from learning healing anyway um, than just like, it's it's like telekinesis is like cool when you're 12 and it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> I'm not saying anything's bad with it, but like it also, the other thing is it uses a lot of fucking energy. It uses a lot. Like if you, you practice telekinesis for a couple hours, tell me you don't feel drained. It's exhausting. And so you'll, you know, like I, I do a lot to cultivate my energy, any healing energy that I have, I'm, I'm using to help me heal my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using to help my clients align with their highest timeline. So that's, that's, that's the main thing. I, I don't go crazy about it now. If, if skeptics want to see if it's real, go check out my past demos. I'm not going to keep demonstrating it every week because people are skeptical and drain my own energy. Like, you know, if, if you want to learn it yourself, there's plenty of resources out on the internet. You could go to learntelekinesis.com. You know, a friend of mine, Trevor Seven, his name is Robert. He teaches telekinesis there. He's fantastic. Um, there's like, there's, there's lots of resources, but um, yeah, healing is, healing is what I'm about now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's awesome. And I think if anything, it's just a, it's kind of like a bookmark or a, a checkpoint, like, Hey, yeah. check out how much energy I can cultivate. And now I can take that and I can actually put that into myself or someone else. And it's just um, almost like a, a check mark for you. Definitely. And that's how I see it. It's like, okay, I, I'm not just driving myself crazy with all of these accomplishments that it's, it feels like I have, like, I'm actually able to move stuff outside of my body. Okay, cool. Next thing. <laughs> <clears throat> right. <laughs> well, as we wrap up the show, I always ask every guest this one last question, which is if you could leave the listeners with one tip that they could implement either today or this week to help them live a healthier and happier life, what would that be? Yeah, I love the question. And okay, I'm just going to say the first thing that came to my mind is to stop trying. Because Mm -hmm. the more that you try, the more you go into friction. And if you want to tap into your highest abilities, you need to learn how to allow and invite and have resonance with things inside and around you. And when we're in trying and we have an expected result that we're working towards, we are not operating in our highest capacity. So when you allow yourself to fully let go and achieve oneness and resonance with that which you're interacting with, with that which you're existing with, then you're in a place of infinite possibility. And from there, you can go forth and create the reality that you're meant to align with without any getting in your own way, without any tension, without any suffering. Mm. I would say. Okay. I like that answer. Well, do you have any last comments or do you want to go ahead and share where people can reach out to you if they want to learn more or work with you? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, So I have 
um, a lot of free resources for people that can't afford to um, invest in their educations. You know, I talk to a lot of people that are on disability and stuff like that. Um, I have a Facebook group, Natural Healing Secrets. Um, I do live classes every week, every Sunday um, in those in that group to teach people how to heal themselves from whatever conditions that they're working with from a, a, a mind energy healing perspective. And if people want to get in touch with me for personal one-on-one coaching, um, I have a testimonials page on my website. You can check out on maxwellreader.com. My name is spelled R-E-E-D-E-R. Um, and you can get in touch with me on my website and book a call so we can talk about potentially working together to get you a healing breakthrough uh, in your life where other people haven't been able to get you. So that's typically what people come to me for, you know, doctors, healers, people that have never meditated before. Um, we start working together and getting shifts that haven't, that nobody else has been able to get them. So uh, yeah, I, my main mission is to just change the world and end the collective suffering pattern or, or not. That's kind of what I used to think. I'm not going to end it, but uh, definitely to change it. So that's what we're here to do. And I appreciate you having me on your podcast so that we could uh, bring up these topics and share space. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. And we will have all those links in the show notes as well. So thanks for being on. All right. Thanks so much, Rachel. Okay. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did make sure that you comment and leave a rating on the podcast platform you're listening to and share it with a friend who really needs to hear this kind of information, because the more you share it, the more that helps me spread the knowledge of holistic health and really can help other people live a healthier, happier life.